0: And I was getting paid to go to all of these different places and to eat in those different restaurants and experience those different towns. And I'm taking a weekend here in a mountain resort in Utah with five feet of snow. And so, yeah.
1: Life is good. (laughs) Welcome to Six Figure Trucker, the podcast where we share advice on how to be successful in trucking and have fun while doing so. We'll share stories, news, and advice on how to earn six figures in trucking, and we'll speak to guys and gals that are already doing so.
0: Let's get to the show.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Six-Figure Trucker brought to you by Norton Transport. This is a format where we elevate and celebrate the drivers that go all across this beautiful country and up into Canada, moving the trucks that eventually will move the merchandise that makes your life go round and round. And uh, this is a time, as we said, to lift up the drivers. And we've got a very special guest with us this evening, Robert Regan. Robert has just uh, settled in, I believe, for the evening, but I'll let him tell you best. Robert, where are you and what's going on?
0: Well, hey, I appreciate the call. I uh, just When you called, I'm just uh, unloading my groceries. I've got this nice mountain cabin right at the base of the Sundance uh, Mountain Ski Resort. And uh, it's just a really cool log cabin. Got a wood burning fireplace, a beautiful uh, bed, the kitchen, the whole. I just I couldn't believe. It. I'm just kind of um, it takes my breath away right now. How nice it is, but it's just this is Robert Redford's uh, original creation back in the 80s. These were the first cabins that he built, and he ended up selling them. And he used to have the Sundance Mountain Lodge ski resort, and he since sold that as well. But he was all about, um, you know, he was Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid that movie, and he wanted to keep it rustic. And I don't know if you say manly these days, but it's uh, yeah, they honestly they got about looks like two feet of snow. Oh my gosh, there's a there's a hot tub outside too, surrounded by snow. Oh my, <laughs> we're gonna have to wrap this podcast up. I got quick. you.
1: Yeah, we're gonna have to rush through here. I understand. I can't compete with a hot tub and two feet no, of no. snow.
0: <laughs> I, and, and a wood burning fireplace.
1: Look at wow. Now, is there? Do you have firewood <laughs> provided already?
0: Yeah, they have a little uh, because they've got towels for the hot tub. They've got wood right here by the the fireplace. Yeah, everything is it's it's good to go. I just had to bring um, groceries and some little bottle of wine and it's good to go. Man, I'm
1: I'm not gonna lie, Robert. I'm jealous right now. <laughs> I'm sitting here in the office and, and I'm, I'm like, do <laughs> some night skiing tonight. I'm like, man, I wish I was Robert Regan right now. This guy's got it going on. Now, have you finished your run?
0: Yeah, I was just going to say that this has this has been well earned. Well, well earned. tell us about so it. Today is February. Today is February 24. So, I'm sure most of you, if you drive or if you're around the Midwest, especially, you know that there was a lot of snow in uh, the Minneapolis area. And here in Salt Lake City, they got two feet of snow a few days ago. And then that storm moves, you know, toward Denver and uh, through Wyoming and all of that. Well, I had to pick up a truck in Green Bay, Wisconsin, and then head straight west to Salt Lake City. So I actually, you know, white buckled some of that driving, you know, going 25, 30 miles an hour just to make sure we're safe. So this little reward that I'm participating in is, was well-deserved because that was a long 1,500-mile run. But quite frankly, this is why I do this job. It, it affords me that flexibility and the ability to see the, you know, parts of the country that I might not otherwise see. And, you know, I'm, I'm making some really good money along the way. So, and as, as a bonus, you know, my daughter actually goes to the University of Utah here in Salt Lake City. So, oh. you know, there's always that, that aspect of it as well.
1: Gotcha, gotcha. Now, are you there at the cabin solo kicking back, or do you have a guest with you?
0: Nope, I just, this was a last-minute thing. So when I had uh, hit my 10-hour downtime, um, you know, when you have those long runs, you have to take those 10-hour breaks. And I just started doing some research. I said, well, shoot, I'm going to be in Salt Lake City. Let's just see what's available. And they, sure enough, they had this cabin for last-minute booking. They even had it discounted a little bit. And I said, well, shoot, set me up for Friday and Saturday. And I'm just going to take these two days off. And then I have a cheap flight from Provo, Utah to Phoenix, Arizona for like $60. And then I actually pick up another truck for Norton in Arizona Monday morning. And, you know, I'm off to L.A. and, you know, picking up another truck. So it's a nice weekend, and then I just go keep working.
1: You're living the life right now, man. That's living the dream. (laughs)
0: Living
1: the dream. (laughs) Kind of set the scene for us. Uh, you've already said there's a couple feet of snow. How cold is it right now?
0: Yeah. Well. Okay. So as I step outside on the, the back deck here, I'm I'm five feet ten, and the the snow bank is actually eye level right by the hot tub. So I've got well over five feet of snow, but then it also drifts up toward the cabin about I'd say eight to ten feet. Oh my goodness! So I'm at, I'm surrounded by an absolute wall of snow. They literally got two feet of snow the other night, and this has been the best snow they've had in years. Wow. And I'm looking out, and I see pine trees all covered with snow. Are you going to try to ski for real? Absolutely, yeah. I already got my uh, rental skis Hit uh, the grocery store, so I've got my groceries. They've got night skiing tonight. So that opens up, um, looks like, in a couple hours. Um, yeah, and I'll be able to ski from, I think it's five to 5 to 9 tonight, and then I'll ski all day tomorrow. Oh, wow. and, uh, I, you know, I'm going to sleep well, too. Absolutely.
1: Now, the night skiing, have you done the night skiing before?
0: Mm-hmm. Not, this, not this is my first time at this mountain, but, yeah, I was on the ski team in high school, and I've been skiing most of my life. So okay. Was... Well, you're in a good location. Yeah, I don't ski as much as I used to, but I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. So is at it... my age, the goal is always... Injury-free. <laughs> I, I
1: hear you, man. What are you, uh, 55,
0: 54? 55, yeah, exactly. 55,
1: gotcha, gotcha. Now, uh, what's the, is it nice powdery snow? I mean, is it going to be good for skiing?
0: You know, it should be. I think it was would have been better yesterday and today. It actually warmed up a little bit today. So I think it was 29 when I pulled in. Uh, yesterday when I drove through the Rockies, it was frigid. It was like 5 and 6 degrees. Um it you was know, a little slick driving, but it's the, the temperature is definitely warmed up a little bit. So it won't be like soft, you know, powdery, um, but it should be good skiing. It won't be like super warm, you know, where snow can kind of turn into mashed potatoes. Right. But um, I'm anticipating a
1: good day of skiing. We've been doing this podcast, The Six Figure Trucker, here brought to you by Norton Transport for some time. You are by far, at least since I've been hosting the first guest who has finished a run and has ended up in a wood-burning fireplace cabin with an eight-foot drift of snow up on the bank and a hot tub, bottle of wine. He's going to night ski tonight and ski all day tomorrow. <laughs> my hat is tipped to you.
0: Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> well, thank you. And uh, I uh, appreciate that. And I, I don't feel any guilt or compunction about this at all because when I say I, I worked my fanny off the last week getting here, um I, I did, and that's kind of the, the, the life motto: is you know, work hard and play hard, and um, you know, do things the right way, and you know, rewards will come at the end of it.
1: Well, you you have earned that reward, and I was going to ask you this question. Um, I don't want to take up too much of your time. I know you're on the uh, you're in the Mountain Time Zone right now, I believe, aren't you?
0: Yes, it's a little after four o'clock here.
1: I got you. Now, the order of events this evening, uh, after we wrap up, uh, I'm assuming there may be kind of dive into the groceries, head for the night skiing. And uh, I don't want to pre-plan your evening, but kind of run us through what's going to happen this evening. I got an idea in my head, but I want to see if I'm on the same yeah. wavelength as Robert Regan.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm walking distance to the to the ski hill. So first thing I'm going to do is probably pour a glass of wine, and then I'm going to jump in the shower, put my ski gear on, put on my boots, walk to the mountain and uh, get some runs in tonight. Oh, no, I'm probably going to get up a bite to eat, so I've got a little uh, salmon with some asparagus and brown rice. I'm going to eat that first and then uh, do some skiing and then come back, and you know I'm going to sit in that hot tub tonight.
1: <laughs> That's exactly where my mind was. It's like, all right, you have a glass of wine with dinner there before you get out. Now, I'm assuming that once you get back to that hot tub after a night of night skiing there, You could be – you and that bottle could be one, am I right?
0: It it could be. Um, To be honest with you, though, I am really tired, so my guess is it's not going to take much for me to hit that that bed, and I will be out, and I'll be sleeping solid tonight. I can guarantee you that.
1: There's nothing like that. I mean, a nice – Evening of a restful sleep. You can't put a price on that. I, I have to ask though, what's the bottle? Is it, you got a Merlot Cabernet? What are you going with? Yeah,
0: you know, I've got a black box cap, a uh, little Cabernet. Uh, uh, nothing fancy at all. And actually, I, got a, I actually got a cheap box wine because I wasn't sure if it was going to be a bottle opener. Oh, yeah. yeah. Way um, to so
1: think just, ahead, man. So i to get that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I figured if it's not that good, we can get
0: another one tomorrow. It should do the trick,
1: you know you the, talking about getting the box wine because you weren't sure if there was going to be a bottle opener in the uh in your accommodations there that is spoken like a veteran driver because for drive away <laughs> it's all about planning, and it sounds like that kind of fits yes. in your wheelhouse
0: yes, and when you're you know especially with the drive away you know you're you know you're creative and you have to plan you know where you're going to sleep and you know where you're going to eat and take your breaks and all of that. So when you do get, you know, locations like this, I take full advantage of them. And so I'm going to make sure I get, I'm well rested and, you know, just enjoy all of the amenities that I can, you know, I may get down into Salt Lake City, or I may just decide to, you know, eat and stay here, you know, at the resort for the weekend. So you're absolutely right. It's all about planning and, um, and not forcing things, you know, you you kind of take what gives you, it's like driving through the snow last night and the ice. You just can't—you want to be on a time frame, but you also have to be very uh, flexible and uh, adapt yourself to the road conditions and, and what's going on. So it's always safety first, and uh, you know, get to the, get there in one piece. You know, that reminds
1: me of something I read. Um, it was a book about Route 66. You're not too far from that, a little north of it, I guess now. But inside the jacket of the book, it says—let me see, I may butcher this quote— but." Um, said something to the effect of a tourist makes a plan and tries to follow it. A traveler takes them where the road leads them. You sound more like a, a, a hybrid blend of those two. I, I'm thinking you're more at heart a traveler.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I did a hike a number of few years ago now, the Camino de Santiago, where I hiked across Spain. Um, and that was a 500-mile hike. I was gone for about a month, a solo hike. And you do, you just have to adjust and you kind of go and you just take what the trail gives you and driving with Norton is no different. You, you have a plan and you have, you have to be organized. So when the things that come up that you didn't plan happen, you're able to adjust and know where you're supposed to be and get back on plan. Um, but you have to be flexible with that for sure.
1: Now you've got a, you know, a nice place obviously for the weekend there in the accommodations Where you're staying, and you had mentioned that you always try to take advantage of where you're going to be on your transports. What's the coolest place you've stayed, as far as uh, if it's not tonight? uh, What's the coolest place you've stayed in your travels?
0: Oh, by far, this is this is head and shoulders. This is the best place I've ever stayed on my travels. But I always, I'm, I'm a hiker and a, a trail runner and. I'm always finding unique places to go and when I have to take my 10-hour shift breaks I will find a mountain to hike or a trail to run um all over the country you know I'm in the, the lower 48 states multiple times a year and um it's just a great way to see the country and experience um, all the United States has to offer this truly is an amazing country with just some amazing wonderful people
1: you know being a hiker and um being a away transport uh, artist, shall we say, um, that's a nice hobby to have activity to have being a hiker. You don't need a tremendous amount of gear
0: and you can take it with you. Right. And, you know, because you're driving so much, you know, sitting in that position, it's kind of like being a desk, um, you know, desk jockey, work on the computer all day. When you're sitting in a truck all day, you really need to get out and do, you know, be active, stretch, do something just to maintain your physical fitness level because it's it's real easy to kind of slip into some bad habits. So I just, I always make time to do that every day uh, just to make sure that I'm staying flexible and in shape. So I'm not getting any younger. I know you're not either.
1: (laughs) I'm I'm not. You're listening to Robert Regan here on the six figure trucker brought to you by Norton transport. I wanted to kind of drill down a little bit on the hiking and how that marries up with the driving. Uh, You were talking about being in that seated position for long lengths of time, but I would think um, that it refreshes you mentally and psychologically, uh, physically as well for the remainder of your journey.
0: A hundred percent. Yeah, it clears your mind, it clears your lungs, it clears your heart. It just gets your body moving. Yeah, everything. You you can't get in the fresh air. It, it after you hit the nail on
1: that. Now, I think you said, where's your next pickup in Phoenix? Is that
0: right? Yeah. And then, if there's any other uh, driveway drivers or traveling people, there's a new airline I just found called Breeze Airways. And uh, yeah, inexpensive flight from Provo to Phoenix. I was surprised. They had these $39 specials, too.
1: Wow. I think you said, I guess, with all the fees added in, it was 60 bucks. Is that right?
0: Yeah, exactly. I had a flight last week that wasn't on Breeze. It was Frontier from Houston to Atlanta. I paid $19 for it. So they're out there and you just have to shop a little bit. I paid more. <laughs> I paid more in my Uber to the airport than I did for the plane ticket.
1: <laughs> That's so funny. I mean, it's funny, and I'm sure you're laughing all the way
0: to the bank. Yeah, so, you know, you learn doing this business. You know, there's a few apps that you use to help you with travel, like Rome to Rio. I know everybody uses and. Skip lag for flights and everybody has their Amtrak or their, you know, their Greyhound apps, but yeah, you just pay attention and you you generally know after you've driven for a while, you know, there's the hot areas where Norton generally has trucks to come out of, whether it's Southern California or the Atlanta area or up in Jones, uh, Jonestown PA or the, you know, Chicago, Janesville, or, you know, Sturgis, Michigan area, you just know, and you just figure out if you can get, inexpensive transportation in that area or you know, from that area, you, you pretty much 80% know you're going to be okay.
1: Right, right, right. N- name that airline again, because I wasn't familiar with it when you first said, uh, share that with our people that'll... Breeze. Breeze, okay.
0: Yeah, it's Breeze, yeah, Breeze Airlines, The Breeze Airways. It's like, you know, you're sitting on the hot tub out in the snow and there's a Breeze. You know, exactly. The
1: tree. <laughs> now, we've talked a lot with a lot of drivers here on the six figure trucker brought to you by Norton Transport about planning. And obviously, uh, you are a master planner if you're finding $19 fares and $60 fares. Kind of give a word of encouragement, if you will, to some of the other drivers out there and those who are considering drive away about the expenses associated with it. Um, how do you approach it? How do you find such gems out there?
0: Yeah, so the Houston one from Houston to L.A., I knew I had a truck. I think I was going from Sturgis, Michigan, down to Houston or Cincinnati, Houston, something like that, or Oklahoma City, doesn't matter. But it was a relatively long run, so I knew it was going to take me at least a day and a half or so. And I knew I was going to be in Houston. And so I thought, well, let's get out of Houston. So I went on the skip lag, and I typed in Houston, and I told skip lag that I'm willing to go anywhere what is the best deal you have coming out of Houston? And so it searched all of the airports and it searched all the airlines and the lowest fare that popped up was Atlanta for $19. And I investigated that and I'm like, you know what, that's going to work. I can drop the truck off, get to the airport, and I'll have plenty of time to catch the flight and, and make it to Atlanta. And that was the one that was $19. And the reason why I took that is I knew, I mean, I didn't see any trucks on the board at that time, but I knew within the next day or two, there were more than likely it was going to be something coming out of the Atlanta era. Oh, Cause sure. there always is. Oh
1: yeah.
0: And sure enough, I just kept an eye on the board and I guess the next day there was a truck, I think coming out of Rydal, which is just North of Atlanta, mm-hmm. which was really fun because when I picked up the truck in Rydell, then I was able to stop in Norton at the uh, Ringgold. And so I was able to see my, Dispatcher Casey and my new dispatcher Jessica and my old dispatcher Carly and, you know, say hi to the team again and drop off some peanut M&M's. And it's just always fun putting a name with the face. I did not know. That's how I do it.
1: I did not know that you'd stopped in, but I do know that you dropped off the peanut M&M's. Because I've I've stuck my hand in the jar many times and have stole, stolen them from Sierra there and I saw the one over on Jessica's desk too and as a side note both of them speak very highly of you uh, and I'm sure that's a oh they
0: sweetheart
1: I'm sure that's a mutual road dear but so if I understand this correctly which I think I do you're pretty innovative you'll book the flight before you get the load which I'm not sure uh, that a lot of people are taking advantage of that opportunity.
0: Yeah, I, yeah but I can't speak for other people. I just know myself and my um, demeanor. I figure, okay, let's say worst case scenario. Let's say there wasn't a truck available. Right. So then I'm going to be stuck in Atlanta or the Atlanta area. Okay, well, we all know you'll be able to get an inexpensive hotel room around Atlanta somewhere. And I like to hike and, you know, trail run. So I know. Um, and as a matter of fact, bringing that up again, before I got to, um, you know, Houston, there was a nice, Huntsville state game area and I'm training for a marathon in Rome, March 19th and I had to get a long run in. So I actually ran 14 miles right outside of Houston, you know, showered up at a flying J. But if I had to spend an extra day in Atlanta, no
1: you know, biggie.
0: Yeah. No, biggie. Know, just take an extra day. And, no, just exactly. But as it works out, I mean, if you check the board, yeah. If you check the board fairly often, you know, the board changes you know, basically every hour or two. And you just pay attention, and there'll be something that pops up. And when it does and it looks good, you know, you just call your dispatcher or, you know, take it.
1: You know, you were kind of talking about it uh, before we ventured into the discussion about the $19 fare. The areas you know where you can pick up loads, even without seeing the board, Mm -hmm. I mean, there's some consistency there. Obviously, the Atlanta area, basically anywhere in Texas, there's going to be loads coming out. And uh, did it take you long Correct. to develop that strategy? Is it something that came over time? How did you uh, say, hey, man, I could book the flight before? Yeah, you know, I would say it probably, it probably took, I would say, six
0: months to a year to kind of get your groove. Um, you know, it's everything new it just takes time. I told all of the dispatchers, you know, when they're new dispatchers, I'm training them and they're training me. I just tell them, listen, you tell me whatever you want me to do and I'll do it. And, we're just going to try to, you know, work and get to know each other and, you know, give each other a lot of grace. And because you're figuring out a new, you know, new relationship, it's the same thing when you're doing a new, new company like Norton and uh, the driveway industry. You just listen and learn from people and that have done it before, and then you start getting your own group. You know, some people like to stay at certain hotels, and other people don't. And, um, you know, everybody's got their own personality and what works and what doesn't. Some people don't like driving in the snow. I mean, if you see on the board my nickname, is Jack Frost. I was going to know I I will go any. I will go anywhere.
1: I was going to ask you about that because I'd put, I had uh, jotted it down in my notes, Jack Frost. And I thought, I said, I know why he's got this nickname, I think, but I wanted to hear it straight from
0: the source. Yeah. So I would say it was probably, I think two years ago. And um, Carly was my dispatcher and I didn't have a nickname yet. It might've been three years ago. And I took a run that was going, I think, into Seattle from Savannah, Georgia or something. So I was going through all of that stuff. And, you know, you saw, you know, the freeways getting shut down. Oh, Matt reminded me, last night the I-80 in Wyoming was shut down. So I actually had to take a detour and go south through Denver and then to get back up to Salt Lake City. So, but I take all of those. Any weather in Denver? Um, Yeah, going through the Rockies just past Denver was really bad. Also, my son and his wife live in Denver, so I actually texted him and said, "Hey, I had a change of plans. Um, not sure what your plans are. No pressure, but I'll be there about seven o'clock. I can take you to dinner if you want." And he's like, "No, Dad, come on over. We're making uh, homemade chicken noodle soup. Um, you know, <laughs> his mother-in-law Susie's famous recipe." So I said, "Say no more. I'll be there."
1: <laughs> That's awesome, man. You've had a great trip here.
0: Three bowls of chicken noodle soup and a two-hour nap. And and my son's a really good banjo player. And Sarah's a good singer, songwriter, and producer. So I kind of fell asleep, took a nap for two hours while he was strumming the the banjo. Okay, a little
1: bluegrass there?
0: It was. And then when I pulled in, though, I had this big, you know, freightliner, 26-footer. And uh, I laid on the horn a little bit. You know, <laughs> and he came running out of the house like, Dad, Dad, we got old neighbors. You can't do that. You're going to wake them up.
1: <laughs> what time of the evening was this?
0: 730. But, you know, old oh, yeah. people, they something like us. We go to get the blue light special at 430 for dinner, and we're in bed by 730.
1: Oh, there you go, right after Jeopardy. Um, i got to ask you this quick question. <laughs> Um, uh, you were talking about some people will stay at certain places, others will not. And obviously not too many that I've come into contact with stay in mountain chalets, you know, with a, with a hot tub and some wine and a ski slope uh, within walking distance. But do you have a preference of where you stay?
0: No, I'm, um, you know, I'm a VIP uh, Priceline, you know, member because I try to stick with one Program or app, but just so I can build a relationship and get the points and whatever. Right. So now, as a VIP Priceline member, I get all these special deals. And generally, I can find a hotel in any city for you know sixty to eighty dollars, no problem. And um, it's just it, it, I don't care if it's a you know a Ramada Inn or a Holiday Inn or Marriott it doesn't matter. And, uh, but Priceline generally just takes care of me with that. And, same thing with rental cars. If the Norton Travel can't find something good, or I have to find a better deal on my own, I do that. But I take advantage of the Norton Travel team because they're awesome too.
1: Gotcha. I'm sure they'll love to hear that. And wanted to ask you. I mean, given what you've told us here, you're not uh, you're not brand specific to a certain hotel or motel for the whatever the case may be. Have you had any horror stories from the road at a place where you maybe saw a cockroach the size of a baseball, something like that, in one of the places? Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: do tell. Do tell.
0: Yeah. There was one, I think, I'm trying to think where I was. I want to say it was either near Jacksonville, Florida, or Savannah. It was down in that part of the country. And it wasn't, you know, a senior hotel. It was it's a brand-name hotel. I don't want to say the name. Sure. I'm sure it was a one-off yeah, I, I checked in and, you know, they had the plexiglass glass behind the front desk. And I just asked the question, I said, Hey, is this, um, this neighborhood okay? And, you know, he looked up from behind his desk and said, yeah, just keep your door locked. <laughs> <laughs> and I got in the room and, and sure enough, it was just, it's one of those rooms, I, to be honest with you, I slept with my clothes on because I wasn't sure what that said was all about. I said, "No, nope, that's okay. I'll keep my clothes on and I'll shower up in the morning
1: and well, you could make a quick exit if you had to, too. <laughs> exactly. Now, we've heard both extremes here. Uh, what about, I guess, if you look at it from the, I guess, the in, in the center of the bell curve, what do you normally stay at? What, what are those accommodations like?
0: Um, I would say it's kind of like a Holiday Inn Express. It's your middle of the road. Um, I one that really sticks out, though, is these new Hilton hotels. I think it's called True. It's kind of an eclectic, fun hotel. Yeah. And generally, they'll have a free breakfast, and I mean, they don't have eggs Benedict and French toast, but you know, it fills you up so you can get on your way. Um, and they're clean and comfortable, and you know, all the free Wi-Fi and all the amenities. But I, I'll be honest with you: when I hit the hotel, I, I'm so tired most times. It's just I hit the, I hit the pillow when I'm out.
1: It doesn't really matter where you are.
0: Frankly, it really doesn't, Um, you know, and when I was married and you had the wife and children, that was always, okay. we got to stay here and clean and blah, 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 whatever. But, you know, I'm only there for a few hours and uh, get a good night's sleep, a shower, get my breakfast and get going.
1: There you go. There you go. Now, you have mentioned your daughter and your son. Any other children? Mm hmm.
0: Yeah, I have two other uh, children. I've got uh, Katie. She's married and lives in L.A. And then I've got another daughter, um, Stephanie. I think she's in Phoenix. So, yeah, they're all over the country.
1: Do you get to see them? I mean, you just told us the the weather changed your plans, and you were able to see your son there in Denver. Mm -hmm. Do you get to see some of your other children when you're out on the road? Do you try to take loads that go through those areas?
0: Whenever I can, I will. It doesn't always work out. But yeah, whenever I see trips or loads that are going into specific cities, you know, I've got buddies and and family and children that are there. And so I know, oh, you know, I can go to Phoenix or L.A. or, uh, you know, Denver, Dallas, Chicago. You you just, you you start building a network and they're like, hey, you know when are you coming back through? And it's like, well, you know, probably in a week or two. And, uh, you know, you do it for a while. You just like, you, you get the personality and you get a routine and. I don't know. It's a lifestyle. And I just really enjoy it. It affords all of the things that I wanted to do when I was younger. I'm doing more travel, more active things now in my 50s than I ever did uh, in my life. And, and Norton has afforded me to do that.
1: How much fun is that?
0: I love it. I couldn't do it if my children were young because um, I want to be there with them. But now that they're all up and gone, there's nothing really holding me. Um, back at home, and I love to travel. I love to drive, and I love to experience you know new places and people. And uh, with the trail running and, and hiking, it just is a, it's just a wonderful, a wonderful you know opportunity and, and vocation right now for me.
1: How long have you been doing it?
0: It's probably been about four years. I was with a couple of other drive away companies, and then networking with some drivers and somebody asked me, said, Hey, have, you know, you, who do you work for? And I told them and they said, who do you work for? And said, I'm Norton. Oh man, you gotta give them a call. They're doing a great job. And so I did. I called them up and applied. And next thing you know, um, I, you know, got hired in at Norton and I had a few, I was working with two or three other driveway companies as well when I was also working with Norton, but now it's just kind of turned into Norton is, you know, my my primary, you know, mode of transportation. That's, that's all I work with right now.
1: Well, we certainly appreciate hearing the kind words and um, n- without naming uh, the other companies, where would you say Norton provides you an advantage? And if there's a disadvantage, feel free to say it. Where do, where do we win? Where do we need to uh, concentrate our efforts?
0: Well, I would say the biggest thing hands down um, is the, is just the people and the people the, the people that work at Norton. Um, I have not had a bad dispatcher. Um, the onboarding is great. It, it's just the people. There's something about the attitude and the culture at Norton that for me, just, it just works and it, it just clicks. I would say the people is number one. The app is very convenient. That's helpful to know what loads are and you can, you know, request them. Um, you know, having that, you know, a little bit of money up front to pay for gasoline is always helpful. You know, giving cash along the, the route is helpful. And a lot of those things have been streamlined. Um, it's like I said, the travel department is great. You know, for me, because I tend to be a little type A, and you know, I'm, I, <laughs> my uh, my dispatcher Jessica was like, you know, Robert, you know, we we just booked you here and we got you here, and I said, yeah, I know, but I I'm hungry, I need more, you yeah, know, feed me, feed me. She goes, hungry, you're starving, <laughs> and I would say the only thing I would like to see is just having more, you know, more runs on the board, more opportunities to, you know, things to choose from. Uh, sometimes, you know, I, I don't want to have to take a, a, train, a plane from Houston to Austin, uh, Atlanta. Great, it was $20, but it'd be really nice to pick up another truck that I could, you know, take right there in Houston. And a lot of times there is. There just wasn't that day.
1: You're listening to Robert Regan here on The Six Figure Trucker, brought to you by Norton Transport. You're a non-CDL driver, correct? That
0: is correct, but I will be getting my CDL in September.
1: You led me to my very next question because you were talking about the board. Obviously, you get that CDL, and uh, the world is your oyster. You can take anything. Then, I mean, even if you want to stay, you know, with a box truck or whatever you want, you can take it.
0: That's what I heard.
1: Tell us what you got to do in preparation.
0: Yeah, I just have to take the. uh, I've been listening to like podcasts and YouTube while I'm driving, so I can you know prepare for the written exam. And then once you get that permit with the written. Then you just have to you know, do the training and take the driving test, and then, boom, you're done. So based on my schedule and what I've got going on, it'll be September. Uh,
1: okay, September looks good. I mean, hopefully we can find enough on the load board in the non-CDL sector that will uh, satisfy your uh, work needs there. But I had to ask you this. Uh, being When you're going forward to get that CDL, are you going to take the manual test or the automatic Or on, on, as far as which truck are you going to try to certify
0: on? Well, I, I'm probably going to try to certify for all of them. I'd like to just do everything. So if I can get the combination hazmat, air, all of them, it might as well if I'm doing it. Why not just train and test and get them all done?
1: Well, you sure. That would afford you a lot of opportunities. Now, do you have an area of the country that you prefer to go to?
0: Uh, definitely the West.
1: A lot of people say that. The West, I mean, as for driving, it's it, it really defines – the open road, but being someone who's been on that road, how would you define it going out West?
0: It's just when so often when you're driving, now let me preface this. I'm not talking about Nebraska, nothing against my Nebraska friends, but that is one flat, dull, boring state. (laughs) (laughs) You could duct tape your, duct tape your steering wheel and hit cruise control and you'd be just fine through (laughs) that entire state. But when you, when you get through, like, when you get into the Dakotas and you get into Idaho and Montana and, you know, Seattle, Portland and the Northern California, Utah, I mean, you get into Moab, Arizona, it's just, it's like you're looking at a postcard out your windshield and your side windows. You're, you look at these things and you're like, oh my goodness, I can't believe this is the United States of America. It's just some of these areas are so majestic and beautiful. And the roads are like you said, it's the open road. And East Coast is so congested, and, and every, you know everybody feels so you know boxed in with uh, you know people and traffic, and and states are right on top of each other. In the East Coast, you can drive you know an hour and be through five or six different states. Right. You know, you can drive you know ten hours and not get out of not get out of Texas. <laughs> exactly
1: Exactly. You you know there must be a lot of truth to it for some of the other drivers we've talked to here on the six-figure trucker brought to you by Norton Transport they've talked about South Dakota North Dakota and of course I mean that's kind of I mean the scenery is similar when you get Idaho Montana Wyoming uh, of course it's different in Wyoming right now but uh, describe what it's like to drive through South Dakota and hit some of those historic places well
0: the first thing that Mind is, I'm, I'm a motorcycle guy also, and so you got Harley Davidson's out there for, you know, they're big uh, weakened surges, but you see the Black Hills, and, and that's the first, like, kind of iconic thing that you, you think about when you hit South Dakota. So you start seeing those Black Hills, and you're like, okay, South Dakota. And then you realize, oh, you go a little bit farther, and then you realize, oh, this is where Mount Rushmore is, too. And so then you can, you know, I, I, oftentimes I'll pull up and I'll take my breaks through there. and. You can just go up and, and check out, you know, Mount Rushmore, um, it, and then you've just got the mountains. You want to go you know, south, you want to go north, and you know, there's multiple ways to, to get out of there. And it's just, I don't know. I'm from Michigan, and Michigan's a beautiful state, but when you get out to those uh, the Dakotas, it's just beautiful.
1: Now, you said you're a motorcycle guy. What kind of bike do you have? A Harley?
0: No, I had a Suzuki 1500, custom um, airbrushed to the movie Casablanca. Oh. Um, so whenever I ride, and I laid it down on the freeway years ago, and I, I bought a Jeep with the insurance money. So now whenever I ride, I just rent Harley. Okay, um, okay. But I figure two, two more wheels and a roll bar is a little safer in my Jeep. I gotcha.
1: I ride myself, so I was wondering, uh, in the past, what are some of the best places, best rides you've taken on that bike before you laid it down
0: yeah i i really didn't do any long trips i'm talking with some buddies we we're going to do that we're, i got one buddy that lives in la and so we're going to fly out and, and rent some harleys and head head east somewhere so most of my long rides were just in in michigan so i didn't do anything real real crazy you know maybe a couple hours north and just the traverse city area but nothing real Nothing real crazier.
1: Now, just to be fair to Michigan, there's some beautiful places up there. I was thinking of uh, Sheboygan. You're getting way up there, and uh, mm-hmm. I'm sure there's some other places that uh, you know ring fondly for you in the state of Michigan.
0: Oh yeah, when you get up towards the Traverse City and then that uh, Empire area where you've got the Sleeping Bear Sand Dunes. Then if you, you know, roll into the Upper Peninsula, you go across the bridge and you can hit Marquette and the Sleeping or the uh, Pictured Rocks at Munising. Uh, it, it's it's just beautiful up there. There's no question about it. It's just when you get out west, you know we have some like the Porcupine Mountains in Upper Peninsula of Michigan, and they're beautiful and they're wonderful. And we have Boyne Mountain for skiing, which is great, but you know the vertical drop at Boyne is like 500 feet. Out mm-hmm. here in Salt Lake City, we're going to be talking about you know 3,500 feet. So it's yeah. like everything is but just bigger.
1: These are mountains, and you're like, those are mountains.
0: Yeah, <laughs> right.
1: Now, how did you fall into drive away trucking? What, I'm sure you had a, a lot of things going on before that, but how did you fall into it?
0: Yeah, so uh, I was, you're exactly right. I've done a lot of different things in, in my life. I had a manufacturing company, I actually owned a country club for a period of time, and unfortunately ended up going through a divorce. And my youngest daughter was still in high school, had a few more years to go, and I lost my manufacturing business in a bankruptcy, which was horrible. And instead of getting into corporate America and getting another job or doing something else, I just decided to kind of take a break and I just decided to drive Uber and just so I wait till my daughter to graduate. And then I was going to get out of town. I didn't need to stick around Grand Rapids, Michigan anymore, but um, I picked up a guy and he had a backpack and another little pack and I was taking him to the airport and I made some comment like, well, you know, you can't be going for very long. You know, you don't have a whole lot of luggage. And he said, no, I'm a driveaway driver. And I said, a what? He said, I'm a driveway driver. And I said, well, pray hell, what is that? Right. And he told me and I said, well, you've got to be kidding me. You can get paid to drive all over the country and deliver brand new trucks. And he said, absolutely. Well, you know, my next question was, are they hiring? He said, they're always hiring. And so that day I got home and I you know, got my application into the company that he was working with and uh, a couple other ones. And sure enough, I got a call right away. They you know did the you know, driving test and a background check and a drug test and I was down in orientation and I think I was driving within the month and never looked back.
1: Wow. And so you've been with us, what'd you say, four years? Is that right? I think it's been I think with Norton I've been three. Three, three. But you've been doing it. Two or little, three. Yeah, two or three. And for total you've been doing Yeah, it I've two. been doing it for about four. What's the craziest thing you've seen on the road?
0: Oh my gosh, there was one trip, I was heading west, and I I, I went through, I I swear, it looked like a a war zone, and there were two huge, big semis that had pulled off to the the road, and they must have gone through uh, a herd of deer, and you know, when a, a big semi goes through deer, I mean, it's like blowing through a piece of Swiss cheese, I mean, these deer just got pulverized. And and I'm driving through after them. And had I been ahead of them, or even just you know a little bit closer, it could have been a, a pretty treacherous situation. But they had gone through them, and I, and I was seeing the after effects of it. But that was that's one of the most unbelievable things um, I've ever seen. Uh, I, you see a ton of wildlife.
1: You see a lot of it out west. I'm sure
0: you really do. And you just have to repay extra you know attention in the fall. But fortunately, I haven't had any incidences like that.
1: You've talked about it. You mentioned it a couple times here in our conversation here on the six figure trucker brought to you by Norton Transport about the beauty and the greatness of this country. Obviously, that means a lot to you. Yeah, absolutely. Being able to see the country has that changed or um, enhanced your view of the country?
0: Yeah, I would say it's, um, I would say it enhanced it more than changed it. i always had a I think a a healthy respect and admiration for our country and our um, our founding fathers and what our forefathers and even our parents and grandparents have done for us to pass along this legacy. Uh, But then you get out and you see each town has its own personality, and it's just really unique. You understand quickly when you drive out west, we have nothing close to a population problem. Um, being overpopulated in the United States, there's so much land and so many you was know, beautiful open spaces, and you, it's just the vastness. The natural resources that we have here are unbelievable. And every town, like I said, is a different personality, and you can just tell. I mean, obviously, LA is different than New York and Atlanta, Denver, Dallas, um, you know, Savannah, Georgia, Cincinnati—they just all have a different flair, different food. That's the other thing. When I travel, and I know I'm going to be in Dallas. We're going to get oysters on the half shelf. I'm when sure you are. When I'm in Chicago, are. guess what? That deep dish that deep pizza is going to get ordered. Yeah, you no, know, you, if I'm in Montana, you know I'm getting a steak.
1: Absolutely. Now, the deep dish pizza in Chicago, do you cut it from the corners there? Because I had a roommate from Chicago, and he showed me something I'd never seen. Of course, you know, the pizza's round. But uh, when you dice it up or slice it into quarters, if you cut the outside corner of where your slice is, all that grease... Which anybody who's ever eaten a deep dish pizza knows what we're talking about here. Just drains out, makes the pizza even better. And I'm like, only a true guy from Chicago would know that.
0: I am not familiar with that, but I'll have to try that next um, time I'm
1: there. Yeah, it's just a kind of a release for what's uh, in the, the goodness of the pizza. Now, I wanted to ask you this question. <laughs> uh, you've got a nice voice. Uh, has it always been that way? I mean, have, has anyone else ever said that to you?
0: Yeah, I, I get that quite frequently. Um, even when I was in the Uber, at least once a quarter, somebody would say, you know, you've got a great radio i Have you ever thought about, you know, getting into audio or reading books or whatever? But I have been in musical theater most of my life, you know, from the, you know, elementary school all through college and um, even some of the local civic theater in Grand Rapids. So I, I have gotten it quite a bit. And, I, uh, I love to sing. I'm sure I'm going to do something with my voice at some point, whether it's start my own podcast or YouTube channels and, or get out and do some more public speaking in a different in a different lane or different avenue. Gotcha. I'm just figuring it out right now. I'm just driving. I've got a lot of time to think.
1: That's that's a great point there because a lot of the drivers we talk to say they do some of their best thinking on the road. Is that true for you?
0: hundred percent. I mean, I can sit down in a quiet room, Soft classical music, you know, maybe a glass of wine or a bottle of scotch, or so just chill. I'm gonna have my journal. I'm gonna think. You know, I'm really gonna focus and think. I do my best thinking when I'm doing something else, right? And so that's something else tends to be driving. So when it's like my, it's almost like when my active conscious brain, I guess, is occupied driving, it allows my subconscious brain to maybe free up a little bit because I'm distracted with the driving, and then it just I don't know. I, it's just I can solve the world's problems when I'm driving. Just ideas come to me and creativity, and it's just boom.
1: What kind of things do you think about when you're driving? I mean, is there a theme, or is it just different things? Or do you does it follow into a certain pattern? Or what kind of things come into mind when you're you're driving through South Dakota? Yeah. I would think that when you're driving through a place like that, you're probably pretty locked into your scenery. Yeah,
0: definitely the scenery, but I would say, you know, you get these pockets of meeting people, whether it's an Uber driver or somebody at the hotel or at the airport, or, you know, you always get these flashes of people that you can connect with briefly, um, but it's just the relationships of how people interact with each other, you know, whether that's old and young or male and female, um, you know, all of those dynamics and how, I mean, it's just the interrelationship, you know, with the divorce rate so high and. You know, it just seems like families are being disintegrated and it it just, there's a lot of animosity, whether it's black versus white, rich versus poor, old versus young. And I I just, I'd love to like to stop a lot of that. It's not, we shouldn't be fighting each other. We should be working together um, because we're all going to get sick and suffer and die. And so before that happens, we should be doing whatever we can with each other to enhance our life experience and to, you know, just be the best we can be um, here on earth because we're not here very long. So those are the main things that I think about.
1: Okay, yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I was going to ask. And uh, those are pretty deep thoughts you're having there on the road. And um, what's kind of switching gears here, pun intended, uh,
0: what's the... Well, before you switch gears, I mean, I I just finished my third book also. So when I'm thinking about all these things, I'll be recording them into my my, my iPhone. And then when I get to a place where I can take a weekend, I'll type out my notes. And so yeah, I'm also an author, so I've, I've written these things out
1: just to articulate. Tell, tell us about the books. You said you just finished your third book?
0: Yeah, and so the last one I just finished is called um, Belief, and that one is basically how your beliefs shape your entire life. And so what you believe and what you think about is going to determine how the majority part of your life and how it turns out. So that was my last book. The book before that was called Decide how to make the best decisions in every circumstance, no matter what. And then my first book was was kind of an odd title, um, but it was called uh, Gambling for Life, Stacking the Odds in Your Favor for More Money and Great Sex. And it was actually a marriage book. (laughs) I was really intrigued with how, well, I was intrigued with how boys, um, I did a lot of Christian ministry work when I was younger, And uh, boys always had questions about money and sex, but everybody was afraid to talk about it. And When you don't talk about something, there tends to be an element of shame. Well, I did the research and I asked these guys, I said, can you tell me what 80% of millionaires and 90% of decamillionaires all have in common other than a lot of money? And they're all married to their first spouse. And then I asked them, who has the most sex in this country other than prostitutes? And well, married people. I said, gentlemen, if you really are interested in money and sex, I suggest you get married and stay married. So, what are you doing to become that man worth marrying? And that was my first book. And I wrote that in 2008, 2009. And my, my next one's going to be called Desire.
1: How many pages are we talking about, uh,
0: The first book was like, I want to say 150. Uh, Decide was probably about the same. The Leaf was shorter. Um, I think I was close to 100.
1: And what did you say the fourth one's going to be? And they're all
0: on Amazon. Desire. Desire. Yeah, I've got about a dozen books, a dozen one-word title books in my mind.
1: Yeah, I was seeing a, a pattern going there. And I wanted to ask you, uh, how have they sold? I mean, have you? is it something that's been a revenue stream, or how has it worked out?
0: No, no. I, I, 99.9% of all authors never make money. You know, the, the best sellers, obviously, do the J.K. Rowling, the Five Cutler's and, Cuthlers, and you know, James Patterson. I write them primarily for me um, and for my children and grandchildren, whenever they come around, their great grandchildren. And really what my philosophy is, you read to broaden your horizons, but then you write to focus your thinking. And that's nice. why I write because as I'm thinking and driving, my mind is everywhere. But when you're forced to sit on and write something out, it forces you to become clear and articulate those thoughts. Gotcha. So I do it primarily for me, but we do sell them, and I get asked to speak, you know, around the country occasionally. So,
1: now, when you're out on the road, let's say you've uh, you've you've met your um, legal limit of hours, you've checked into your hotel or cabin, whichever the case may be, is that a time when you start riding? <laughs> is that a time no. when you start riding? No, not,
0: not not usually. I'll have I take focus for that. So I, my, I like to take power blocks. So I'll take a week off, and I'll go to Florida and check into a hotel, and I'll spend you know four hours in the morning, four hours in the afternoon, and it's just it's all about writing. And I'll have all of my notes, or I'll take a long weekend. And it'll be a writing weekend. But generally, I'm I don't really do a whole lot on the road other than think and run and hike.
1: I got you. Now I'm thinking at this point, you're probably looking at your ski boots right about now, and you're thinking about making your way out there pretty soon to the slope there. And I just wanted to ask you as we wrap up here, what would your advice or I guess encouragement be to people who may be considering driveway trucking, uh, driveway transport as uh, a way to make a living? What would your advice be?
0: Well, my advice would be if you if you got a young family, I wouldn't suggest that. Um, because I think it's really important for Dad to be around with the children. just if you if you like driving and and kind of being on the road and and you can you handle that, I, I just I can't think of a better opportunity um, for making an income. You know it's six figure income. yeah, if you if you just work it and hustle, I mean it's not it's not difficult to do that at all. Yeah, I mean, not at all. And you just pay attention to the board and and work it. How I like to do it is I'll be on the road 10 days generally, maybe 10 or 12 days at a time, and then take five days off, something like that.
1: That's got to be very nice. That's in my routine. That's a good work balance routine you have there. And have you been able mm-hmm. to do things uh, monetarily, lifestyle-wise, since you've gotten into driveway, driveway that you would not have been able to do otherwise? Mm-hmm.
0: You, you mean like staying in a cabin at the ski mountain, <laughs> exactly? To, to the hot tub. That's exactly, to that's exactly. That's <laughs> exactly what I mean. Yeah, I and mean, my situation is unique throughout life, but um, I, I would say I, I, I can't think of a, a job where you have the flexibility and the ability to make over six figures um, outside of this. And, and like I said, the travel, the flexibility. If you're if you're disciplined and organized, and you you, know, you just pay attention and get stuff done, I mean, it does. It, it affords you a tremendous opportunity for for travel and experiences and income. I mean, think about it. I'm here in Salt Lake City. And I was in Minneapolis. I was in Lexington. I was in Cincinnati and Louisville all this week. You know, and, and I was getting paid to go to all of these different places and to eat in those different restaurants and experience those different towns. And I'm taking a weekend here at a mountain resort in Utah with five feet of snow. And so, yeah. Life
1: is good. <laughs> You've heard Robert Regan here on the Six Figure Trucker brought to you by Norton Transport. Robert, we certainly appreciate you uh, taking a little bit of time out of your uh, very nice weekend that you have in front of you. And uh, as we wrap up, I want to give you the last word. And after that last word, uh, stay on the line with me after we uh, after we uh, wrap it up here. I had a couple things I want to say to you off here. But
0: uh, give us the last word. For the last word, all I have to say is the, the success that I have primarily. I mean, obviously, Norton set up the system. But I have to give big, a big shout-out to Jessica and Carly and Sierra uh, and Casey. I mean, they are the ones that really open doors and make things happen for me. So I just want to say thank you to those lovely ladies and uh, keep up the good work.
1: Well, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, you and I will talk after we uh, sign off here. Thank you very much and enjoy your time on the slopes and whatever may follow. Thank
0: you so much. you a great day. You're a good man. I like you.
1: Six Figure Trucker is brought to you by Norton Transport. Norton
0: Transport is a drive-away trucking company the customers can rely on. It offers excellent independent contract driving opportunities to professional, courteous, and qualified drivers
1: that can provide the kind of service we deliver. If you're interested in learning more about Norton or just want to subscribe to the show, check out 6-figuretrucker.com. That's 6-figuretrucker.com.